The study is a continuation of the things we've been studying at, and I look back in my notes, and I began this series a full year ago in March, and so uh, you may be growing tired of it. You may be getting weary of it. I hope not, but I'd encourage you to not be weary in well-doing. I I think it's a very important subject, Uh, and today we're going to cover the work of a deacon. We began a year ago with the gift of rebuke and how there are things that we study especially when it comes to qualifying for leadership that may rebuke us a little bit and it may challenge us to make some changes in our lives. We've talked about principles of leadership for men and both women. We've also studied about the qualifications of both elders and deacons and now we're getting into the work and so today we've got the work of a deacon and the next time we'll have the work of of an elder. Uh, And so we're nearing the end and and One reason I'll encourage you to really think on these things and study with me on these things is that not that far in the future now, we'll we'll be looking at leadership and we're going to be faced with making some choices and looking at those things. And it's important for us to have leadership. The congregations that are thriving that I see as I travel around, the congregations that are really doing well, they have very good leadership. They have involved leadership. And, and while deacons work through the elders and with the elders, uh, they're a very vital part of that work. In the book of Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, he says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishop and deacons. This teaches us one simple thing that the apostle Paul recognized The leadership in this congregation was the bishops or elders with the deacons who worked with them there. You might have noticed this picture. It's kind of a rendering of Jesus washing a disciple's feet. I got to looking at some of these pictures, and there's a jillion of them. And I settled on this one because uh, you got Jesus there, but then you got a guy wearing jeans. It's indicative of you and me today. And the idea of a deacon or the work of a deacon is a work of service. And I think you're probably familiar with that, but that's going to be put into your mind today. The deacon work is servant work. It is ministry work. It is serving others. And the base meaning of the word deacon is a waiter. And so I've got in this picture a waiter, and he's carrying food. That's what he does. A waiter serves. And if you go to a restaurant and you sit down and no waiter comes, in a little while you're going to get them leave because you're expecting service. And that's the idea behind a deacon or the work of the deacon. And if we were to look at that from the Greek and the Strongs, it is the word deaconos, and it means to run errands, an attendant, that is a waiter. At tables or in other menial duties. That means deacon, minister, servant. And this is used, and we're going to look at the list of these in here in just a moment. It's used in many ways throughout the New Testament. Different words and things you might not even expect or think it would be used as. We're going to switch to Thayer's, another uh, Greek dictionary. Again, the word deaconos is one who executes the commands of another, especially of a master, a servant, an attendant, It also can mean minister, the servant of a king. A deacon is one who by virtue of the office assigned to him by the church cares for the poor and has charge of and distributes the money collected for their use. A waiter, one who serves food and drink. 
And so we find that the meaning of the word deacon is someone who serves. And if my understanding is proper and correct, they serve at the will of the elders. And they serve the church. That's who they serve. That's who their responsibility is to serve. And so we find this word deaconos, uh, the Greek word as it's translated in the New Testament, it is translated minister or ministers 19 times in the New Testament. And so many times when you read and you read about a minister, people in this modern world we live in today think of a minister as the guy who does the preaching at church, but that's really a misuse of the term. A minister is simply a servant, a person who helps other people. And that's why we find the word used in the New Testament 19 different times. When we read minister, he's talking about someone who serves in that capacity. It's also translated seven times as simply a servant or servants. This is the word deaconos and then Three different times it's translated just simply as the word deacon. And you could break this down, and I think we've talked about this before, but the DIA means to thoroughly, and the konos means to kick up the dust. Is a person who is, is rapidly doing his job. And this word deacon is a word that just oozes activity. It oozes labor it oozes work. That's the idea that we would all think of when we think about a servant or someone who serves. And so we're going to look at a few places in the New Testament where the word deacon is used. And you'll see this guy right here. There's a, obviously a flood. And he is serving in a way to carry this lady to safety. That's this, the servant. This is the idea of servant. And when you look back at some of the photos, we've got Jesus washing the disciples' feet. In that way, he serves. We have a waiter carrying food to a table. In that way, he serves. And here we have a young man who is doing deacon work or servant work by helping this lady in time of a flood. Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 3, the word government here, is the same word as deacon in a, in a very great sense. He says for this, For rulers are not a terror to good work, but the evil, without them not be afraid of the power, do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he, this is a ruler, he is the minister, that word deacon right there, the deacon of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. We have judges in this county. He is a minister to God. We have a governor in our state. He is a minister. We have a president. He is a minister of God. He serves God and they provide rule and law so that we don't live in a world of chaos. And so remember that, and the next time the highway patrol pulls you over, remember when you deal with this individual, he's a servant of God, and he's there to put fear in the hearts of speeders. So you slow down, and it makes a safer road and a safer world. And this is the idea that we have behind this world, this word. He's a minister. You see, he serves God in that way. Another use in Romans chapter 16 and verse 1 is the nature of that work. And this passage says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is the servant of the church, which is at Chentria. 
This is the same word deacon that we've been talking about. Deaconos. And somebody might read that and say, well, Phoebe was a deacon in the church and therefore women can be deacons. There's a couple of problems with that line of thought. We have the qualifications of deacons and they're to be male. It's, it's clear and it can't be argued. They're to be male, they're to be married, they're to have children. And so when we go to looking at men for deacons, we're not looking at women and it's not because we're woman haters, we're following the scriptures that we find in the New Testament. They have to be men who are grown and married. They have to have raised children and shown that they're capable of doing that. We're not talking about all those things necessarily, but the idea behind this here, the way the word is used, is in nature of work. Phoebe was a woman who served the church in whatever way she could. And in that way, it's similar to the work of a deacon. He serves in a way that he can help the church in just the same way that a governor or a judge or a law enforcement officer serves a community. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1, verse 23 if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which is preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Paul described himself with this same word, deacon or servant. What did Paul serve? He served the gospel. He served the people with the gospel. And so in this sense, it was through his teaching of God's word was the way he was a servant to all the people that he taught, and which was a great use of that same word. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 25, in this sense of the apostles, he says that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place, and they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. And so if you remember, Judas went out and hanged himself after he betrayed the Lord. And in this occasion, the apostles are together and they discuss who's going to be the replacement. And it was going to be a ministry. It was going to be a work. And after they cast lots, Matthias was chosen and he joined the number of the apostles and he went to doing the work of an apostle. And he began to function in that way and to serve other people in that way. You get the idea behind the use of the word. Deacons work. That's their job. Deacons serve at the will of others. And so we find here, as is used in Acts 1, a slight variation to deaconos. It means attendance, a servant figuratively, uh, an aide, official of service, especially of a Christian teacher, or technically the deaconate. And so in this sense, it's a slightly different word, uh, but it's very similar. So deacon describes, and we've just got a list here uh, in Matthew 4 verse 11, the angels that tended to Jesus. Those is the same word as deacon. Matthew 20 verse 28, the service Jesus did in his ministry is also descriptive of a deacon. Uh, Luke 8 verse 3, the service the women did for Jesus during his ministry is indicative of the same word as deacon. Acts 19 verse 22, the work Timothy and Erastus did with Paul is the same word is used there. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 12, the prophet's work in writing their prophecy is descriptive of deacon work. 1 Peter 4 
beginning in verse 10 and 11, teaching uh, or the teaching work that a person might do today is considered servant work or ministry. Luke 12 verse 37, serving food to others was considered servant work or deacon work. John 12 verse 26, any kind of general Christian service was referred to as deaconos or this same word. And then 2 Corinthians 8 verses 19 and 20, collecting and distributing benevolent funds is referred to as deacon work. And so you can see from these varied use of the words, it's a very broad term that encapsulates almost any kind of service that a person might do for God or to others or to the church. And you might say, well, what has all this got to do with, with being a deacon? Well, it shows the scope of what they can do. It shows the breadth of their work, what they can do in serving and working in the church as a deacon. And so just to clarify, deacon's work is different than elder work. It's, it's a different kind of work. And people sometimes lump, lump all these together and we say with elders and deacons. And people sometimes look at a deacon as a junior elder. And that's really not the case. They're, they're absolutely two different categories in their nature and in what they do. And so while they do work very closely with elders, uh, they're not co-elders, they're not junior elders. Uh, I had a fellow call me one time. He said, I've, I've, been offered to, I've been asked to be a deacon. And I said, well, that's wonderful. And he said, I don't know if I'm going to take it. And I said, why wouldn't you take that office? So this person was very interested in the church and he worked in the church. He said, well, I want to be an elder someday and if I become a deacon, I can never be an elder. And I said, that, that's not true. That's not right. Uh, there are times deacons become elders later on in their life. But they are two different works. They, they are different because there are different qualifications. Uh, Titus 1 verse 9 and 1 Timothy 3 and 2 say, elders must be apt to teach. And this is one of the main ones we might say. Deacons do not have to be apt to teach. De deacons should hold the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, but they don't have to be apt to teach. And elders must have that quality to be an elder. Uh, secondly, it's a different work. Not only are the qualifications different, but the work is different. 1 Peter 5 verse 2 says the elders have oversight of a flock. Deacons do not have oversight. Elders have some management in their job. Part of their job description, and next time we, we get together and I teach, that's what I will teach about is the work of an elder. Elders have to oversee and they have to rule in that same sense as a husband or father would rule his family or his household. And as a congregation, we have a responsibility to obey those that rule over us. And there's elders that rule this congregation. And you have a responsibility, you and your family, to obey what they've asked you to do. And then sometimes we don't like that. Sometimes we say, why are the elders doing that? They've been given that authority by God. Deacons do not have oversight. That's not a part of their job or part of their role. So let's look at their work. In a sense, deacons' work is just to help. It's just to serve. If we just we're going to sum it up in the most basic terms, it's to be a helper or a worker. And, and that would be the easiest way. And I like this picture because this person is helping someone to get up. 
Help them to move up. And that's the idea behind the work of a deacon. In the book of Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, it says, In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecian against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So I want to stop right there. As the church was young and it was really beginning to grow, there, there was a daily ministration. There were people who were needy, who needed help. And every day, there were people in the church who served these people. They served food. And I want you to think about this period of time what they lived in, and one thing the church was doing to function was taking care of people and helping people. And this is one of the base natures of the church. If you look back at the early church, they were together. They had all things common, at least up till about Acts chapter 5. And they had a daily ministration. There was a service that went on every day, and what the service was was providing food to people who were poor or who could, didn't have the means to feed themselves. And so we noticed a problem here. There got to be some complaining and grumbling because there were certain widows who were neglected in the daily ministration. And I would complain too. If my grandma didn't get a meal, I would probably go up and say, What's going on? My grandma's going hungry. And the complaints came to the apostles. And this is what they did. Verse 2. The twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And you see here a parallel to what we've been talking about. The, the leader said this is not our job. The apostle said it's not right for us to do this job because we've got a different job. Our job is right here. And they said this is what you're going to do. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. You choose the men and we'll appoint them to this service. That's the idea. Verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer in the ministry of the word. It's also a service, but a different kind of service. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed and laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the multi number of the and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. There was something lacking. The work of the church was being hindered because of a deficiency, an area where they needed people to serve, and there was no one filling this area. And so the apostles, the leaders said, you pick out the people and we're going to ordain them to this work. We're going to appoint them to this work. And, and this is the foundation of the work of deacons. They chose out seven of them. And they said, oversee this work. Because here's what happens in a church. Here's what happens in far too many churches. If people don't step up and serve then the leadership has to step down and do this work. And the apostle said, that's not for us to do. We can't come down and do this. There's other work we've got to do, important work. I'm not saying it's more important, 
But this was the idea that they conveyed. It's not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. The apostles weren't too good to serve a table. They weren't so important or in such a lofty position that they couldn't do that. But they said, that's not the role God's given to us. And so they chose them out, some men to follow this, and they did that. And when they did this the way God would have them do, I want you to notice verse 7, the word of God increased, the number of the disciples multiplied. And guess what happened when the number of the disciples multiplied? There was more people who needed help. And there was more people to serve. You know what, what makes churches thrive? Good leadership and a lot of people to serve. People that have a heart to serve because they care about people. They want to help people. They want to see people grow and thrive. And we've, we've talked about this a lot. I want to go to heaven. I want you to go to heaven. Nobody makes it to heaven alone. We've all got to have help if we're going to make it to heaven. And the deacons is a part of this work. A great part of this work. Here's a few observations. Uh, I like this picture. This guy's, I don't know if he's feeding soup or chili, but uh, he's serving. Leadership saw a need that was unfulfilled in the church. Leadership asked the church to look you out among you, seven men. They said, evaluate and recommend to us seven men. Leadership then appointed or ordained those seven men to attend to that work. Is that simple? Here's a need that's going unfulfilled. We need someone to step up and help us with this need. Choose out the men. And they appointed those men. Deacons serve at the will of the elders. That's the basic idea. Whatever the elders need a deacon to do, that's what they need them to do. Now, I would expect elders to approach that with wisdom because all deacons have different abilities. Some are really good at bookkeeping. We ought to put them to bookkeeping. Others are really good at cleaning the baptistry, which personally I, d I hate. Now, don't get me wrong. I like the baptistry. I like to go to a church that has a baptistry that's clean and ready to go. As I'll tell you, as a preacher of the gospel, I've gone to plenty of churches, and guess what's in the baptistry? Dust and cobwebs and spiders. And I get in there, and I clean it out, and I fill it up. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think the best use of an evangelist's time is cleaning a baptistry? Not really. It's preaching the gospel. It's the best use of that time and that money. Uh, and so if, if we've got a void, if we've got something that's unfulfilled, we need somebody to step up and do that. Deacons should serve in any way that enhances the work of the church. And their work in Acts chapter 6 was specifically designed to relieve the leadership of those duties that they were facing, the daily ministration, so that the leadership could go out and focus on their spiritual work. It's the same way. What is the mission of the church? 
Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. The mission of the church is to reach the lost and teach them the gospel so that they can be saved and then keep the saved. That's the mission of this church. To teach those who are lost the gospel so that they can become saved. And when they're saved, we want to keep them here. Keep them faithful. And so evangelism is a part of that. The church should evangelize publicly and from house to house. And deacons can serve the church in helping with evangelism. And secondly, they should support. The church should support both local and foreign evangelisms. Deacons can be involved in helping with that work. Deacons can support the mission of the church by helping the saved to assemble. The saved needs to assemble for worship and for edification. Things must be in place for the assemblies to happen. A place to meet, supplies for what we do. Deacons should help accomplish this in physical and or spiritual ways. They can help the congregation to do this. They can help in a private way. The saved may need to have Bible studies or visits to encourage. They may need to go to a hospital and minister to someone who's sick. The deacons should cooperate with elders in doing this kind of work. The deacons support the mission of the church by involving the body. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4 beginning in verse 11. I'm going to read this from the New King James. He says he gave himself, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. I want you to take a good look at this passage. Jesus himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. What are those? Those men are edifiers. They edify. Edify is to teach and build up. Now, you may be saying, well, we don't have apostles. That's true. We don't have prophets. We don't have them today. What do we have? Well, in the universal church, we have evangelists that have authority to go from church to church and teach in those churches. In the local church, we have pastors, which is the same thing as an elder or a bishop, and we have teachers this group of men are to edify, to build up. Now I want to move on to verse 12. Why do we have these people, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I probably have misunderstood these passages over the years a little bit. Uh, I've been studying them a lot recently and given a lot of thought. The elders... The leadership of a church are there for the equipping of the saints. To equip. We have elders in this church and their role, part of their role, is to equip the people. For what? For the work of the ministry. Works of service. That's the idea. And churches that function well have elderships that are active in equipping people to do these kinds of service so that a church functions well. 
for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So take and read Ephesians chapter 4 and, and look at that whole chapter. It starts out talking about unity and having unity within the church and there's a whole list of ones, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, all those kinds of things. And then he goes right into how a church should function. And with these passages right here, 11 really all the way down to verse 16. Churches that function well have a lot of people serving. They probably have no title, no office. And this is the idea. Deacons support the work of the mission of the church by involving the body. Church officers must equip the members to do the work. The body must work together with each member doing their share. Leaders must lead the members to do this work. Deacons can serve by helping the leaders involve members in getting this work done. Do, do we have the idea that it's for the elders and deacons to do the work? They're to serve me. And the elders and deacons are going to do that work. That's really not what he describes. What he describes is elders and leaders equipping the people to do the work. The work of the church. The book of Romans chapter 12 beginning in verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. Or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Or he that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. This passage teaches us to find our spot. If you have the ability to prophesy, he says, then do it. If you have the ability to serve as a servant, then do it. If you have the ability to teach, then do it. If your job is exhortation, then do that. If you have the ability to give money, he says, then do it. We all got different abilities. Some of us are really good at showing mercy. He says embrace that and do that. And what Romans 12 teaches us is to use our talent in whatever area we can serve. And one thing that's true about deacons is they should seek work that will further the church's mission through using their talents. And they ought to serve the church in that way. Not everybody's good at keeping the books. Not everybody has a real talent for going to a hospital and talking to the sick. But we all together have a great deal of talents that we need to use for working in the church. Maybe that gift is teaching. In verse, 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning of verse 10, he says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one toward another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Christ Jesus, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. And so 1 Peter chapter 4 continues this with this idea. If you have this ability, then use this ability for the church, whether you're a deacon or whether you're not. Use what gift you have to benefit and bless the church. Benevolence. Acts chapter 6, which we've read two or three times, we've seen an ish, a time when there needed someone to step up and help with benevolent works. And my friends, I don't know whether you know it or not, but in my opinion, this congregation has grown more 
in number because of benevolent works and probably anything we've done. And so we need people to step up and seeking opportunity to do benevolent things in this community, to be helpful for other people. The deacons can support that work. What about visitations in Philemon verse 13? He says, Whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. Philemon in this passage he talks about a deacon's work describing Onesimus visiting Paul while he was in prison. And so one of the abilities that you may have or could use as a deacon is to seek out and visit people who are lonely or who have needs. Deacon's work supports the mission. Visitation is an important part of what we do as a church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 beginning in verse 1. Personal work. He says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens, Athens alone and sent Timotheus our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. What he's describing here we would call church work. A very broad term for teaching, for doing Bible studies, for visiting and meeting people. We would call it personal work and deacons can do this kind of work. Deacons can do benevolent work. Deacons can do teaching work. Deacons can vacuum. You know, if we never vacuum the church, it'd get pretty rough after a while, wouldn't it? We'd need somebody to do that. In Nigeria, they throw trash right on the floor in the church house. Shocked me the first time I saw it. After a while, I'd do it too. We have to have a building that has air conditioning. Somebody got to change the filters. If the air conditioning don't work, is anybody going to come here? No. Somebody's got to bake bread and prepare communion. That's a work of service to the church. We've got to have those things. All this work, it goes together to reaching the lost and keeping the saved. And this is the idea behind these things. A deacon is a jack of all trades. They do it all. And I'll tell you what I think of deacons. Uh, they're the most underappreciated, it's the most underappreciated office in the church. Because they work, they take on a lifetime appointment with no pay. And why do they do that? Because they, they love the church. And they care for the church. God's plan is for every congregation to have elders and deacons. That's his plan. Deacons play a vital role in every congregation. Strong, active deacons are an important part of strong churches. And in short, deacons help fulfill the mission of the church. And the mission of the church is to teach the lost and keep the saved. And that's the idea behind the work of a deacon. I'm going to ask you to get your songbooks out this afternoon. There's going to be a little overlap in, in this study and on elders because all those things are a service. The work of an elder is a service. Uh, but I want to ask you a question as, as by way of invitation. Are you serving the church or is the church only serving you? There ought to be a give and take.
Every person here has ability. Every person. We've got people here that are on, uh, come in using a walker, come in in a wheelchair. You still have ability. You have ability to prayer. You have the ability to encourage people. And if that's what you've been given by God, if that's the place you're in, use those talents and abilities. There are people here that may not have the ability to stand up and teach. They can talk to people. They have friends. They can invite those people to church. You can set up a study, and there's other people in this congregation who could sit down and teach. Use those talents and ability. There are people in this congregation who have the ability to give money. Use that ability. Use that talent. Whatever talent and ability you have, the idea is to use that ability to God. And deacons have a responsibility to use their talents and abilities in an official way in service to the church. And churches I see that are thriving and doing well, they have strong elders and they have strong deacons. And so that's the message for you today. I want to encourage you today, if you feel that you have an ability to serve within the church, ask the elders, what can I do? Step up and use your ability for the good of the kingdom. Use your abilities to help people today so that they can grow and be part, not of the lost, but of the saved that come here and bring their talents and abilities. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.